Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, Savage Approach to Personal Finance. This is George Grombacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Grant Bledsoe. Grant, are you ready to do this? As ready as I will ever be. <laughs> Excellent. Let's do this. Grant is a CFA, a CFP, and the president of Three Oaks Capital Management. I'm excited to have you on. Grant, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Happy to. Thanks for having me on today. So um, I am the founder of Three Oaks Capital Management, which is a registered investment advisory firm. Been open for about five years. In fact, just last week we had the five-year anniversary of our registration. Congratulations. Uh, I started, thanks, thanks. It's been um, an interesting ride. Uh, I started the firm in Portland, Oregon in 2015. Uh, we were there for a couple of years. My wife and I uh, started having kids and realized that it was going to be important for them to be near their cousins and us to be near some family for uh, for our, our own benefit sure. <laughs> to get a little bit of help. <laughs> so we moved down to Sacramento here a couple of years ago. And basically, I opened a second office and now kind of operate out of both places, go up to Portland a couple of times a year to see clients. Basically, what we do is uh, it's a financial planning firm focused on helping people get the most out of their resources that they possibly can. And uh, at this point, most of our clients are either in the medical profession in some way, shape, or form, uh, physicians, dentists, veterinarians, uh, orthodontists, or they own businesses. And uh, a lot of our clients fit both of those categories. So um, your, your vets, your dentists, your orthodontists who own their own practice, uh, we also have like ER physicians who are getting their uh, side business off the ground in between shifts in the emergency room. So the common thread there is that a lot of these people are trying to figure out how to build their uh, their vision of success for their business and align that with their personal values and what they want in their lives and in their careers and uh, align them with their personal uh, financial objectives. So that's that's basically what we do now. It's a lot of uh, financial planning, investment management, retirement plan management, tax planning uh, is kind of the suite of services that we provide. Um, on the personal side, like I mentioned, um, I am married to my lovely wife, Megan. We have two little boys who are one and three years old and are currently running around at home with their hair on fire. <laughs> so uh, outside of working, we don't have a whole lot of free time um, and uh, uh, ability to pursue our personal hobbies because we're, we're chasing the kids around. But it, it's a heck of a lot of fun and wouldn't, wouldn't trade it for anything. Awesome. I, I, I appreciate that. And before uh, Grant and I turned on record, I was asking him for advice because, God willing, we will also have a, a three and a zero-month-old here in about six months or so. So anyway, he, he, he was able to give me some, some, some pretty good advice. Anyway. <laughs> I don't know if it was pretty good advice. Congratulations on the upcoming Thank you. Thank you. kid. But my advice was, I don't really have any. Just just hang on yeah. and try not to screw it up. <laughs> yep. I like it. So being a CFA and a CFP, for those who are listening, uh, it's a chartered financial analyst, and that is no small feat. That is a, uh, a whole process and a series of several tests and hours and hours that it takes to get that. So congratulations on that, and I think people are more familiar with the Certified Financial Planner. But how do those... How how, how do you feel like, like those interact together in your brain to help clients? Yeah, there's... 
there's there's a little bit of a power struggle in my brain going <laughs> off between those two sides. Um, it's it, it's a bear to obtain. Um, I, I did not obtain that designation um, while being a financial planner and running this business. And uh, but before I launched the firm, I was on the institutional side at Charles Schwab on their securities lending desk, um, which was really really cool experience. I worked with awesome people and uh, it was a great place to cut my teeth. And in that world, uh, the CFA is is really the, the designation that you want. Um, that's that's the one where it's very investment focused, portfolio management focused. And if you want to open doors in your career in the institutional and portfolio management world, that's what you get. So that's what I did. And when I decided to resign and launch the firm in uh, in 14, um, I kind of had that in my back pocket. So if if I were doing it, um, if I if I had not obtained that designation uh, prior to launching the firm, I probably wouldn't spend the time to go back and get it. Um, now that said, it's it's a it's a it's a huge asset. Um, I feel pretty comfortable in any investment conversation, you know, anywhere in the in, in the industry. And the way that I um, try to marry that with the CFP and behavioral financial planning side is like any advisor really does. You know, when when you start out as um, a professional who's trying to help people manage their resources and work toward their personal financial objectives and, and the other things that financial advisors generally tend to do, the baseline of knowledge is on the technical side. You know, you have to know some stuff about tax and investments and insurance and uh, estate planning and so forth to be able to help people in the first place. But the art that really takes a while to develop is the behavioral side and really understanding who people are and what makes them tick and how you can best guide them and lead them toward um, the best outcome for them. And so it, the way I see it is it's not really a competition between the two designations. It's more, you know, t today I, I'm focusing a lot of my personal efforts in developing as a professional in um, the psychological side and just trying to help lead people toward the best outcome for them. And that's, it's probably typical of any career pro progression for a, for a planner or advisor. Yeah, I appreciate that very much. And helping people, helping lead people towards the best possible outcome for them, I think what what greater value could you possibly bring for bring to somebody? And as you were talking, um, I have to imagine that when you're dealing with physicians or other really highly skilled people that have taken a lot of time to learn how to do what they do, they probably have an appreciation for the for the CFA designation. But anyway, so. So that, that that common thread that you, that you described, helping entrepreneurs, helping helping all your clients build their vision, align with their personal values, align with the business values, and all those objectives. Um, I think that that is such a valuable thing that anybody can really benefit from talking about. So, sort of a big question, but how how do you get started with that conversation? It starts really high level. Um, you know, it, it doesn't matter what <clears throat> you do in your day job on a day to day basis. What I'm really interested in when I work with people is what makes them tick? What are they really passionate about? What do they enjoy doing? And um, what I have observed over the years is when you can figure, when you can identify what those things are and, and what in life really gives you fulfillment. And then you can find a way to carve a career out of that and do that, do whatever that activity is consistently and just be in that world. 
everything else starts to fall into place. I mean, we, we spend so much of our lives pounding rocks working in our careers. We might as well enjoy what we're doing. And, you know, the passion is, is hard to fake. And, and, and once you can figure out a way to work in an area that you truly enjoy and that brings you fulfillment and that you're passionate about, um, it's hard not to be successful. Um, if, if you truly enjoy doing it. So, so that's, that's usually where the conversation starts is trying to, you know, understand where people are coming from. What is, what was money like growing up? What did you do growing up? What do you do in your free time? What are you really passionate about? You know, if money wasn't, you know, if, if you win that $500 million Powerball tomorrow, what are you going to do over the next, you know, three months after you take that luxury vacation for a couple of weeks or whatever that is. So it, it's those types of open-ended questions where people will generally um, start to veer toward what they really enjoy doing and what they want out of their life. And if I can understand that, then the financial pieces of the puzzle are relatively simple. It's just, it's, it's moving the puzzle pieces around within the tax code, within an investment portfolio. Um, but if we, if we have a shared understanding of that vision, uh, out the out at the outset, it, it really makes things easier. I, I I love that that analogy of thinking about your financial world like a puzzle, and the individual pieces are extremely important. But to your point, they are sort of the easy things. What's most important is really designing the puzzle and knowing what it's supposed to look like. And once you know what it's supposed to look like, you just arrange the pieces as people need them. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the puzzle pieces are, are the rules of the game. And, and if you know what it's supposed to look like, in, in your words, it's uh, relatively simple to, to arrange. <clears throat> Got it. And so for, for entrepreneurial types, for people that, that, that are, let's just use a, an emergency room physician, I mean, absolutely mired in their work, and they're probably not thinking about anything other than what they're doing while they're doing it, is, is getting like what what are the biggest challenges to actually doing planning for for a person like that it's just time time can sometimes you know for for emergency room physicians specifically they they tend to work a lot of hours during their shifts and you know maybe they're doing between i don't know 12 and 20 shifts a month but when they're off they often have uh nice blocks of time um with which they can meet and engage in the planning process. I, th I think the common um, challenge with physicians in particular, um, well, to start, they're all a lot smarter than I am. <laughs> uh, not so much a challenge for, for uh, planning purposes, but uh, just an observation. Sure. Um, I, I, I think physicians are in school for a long time and they come out with a lot of debt. And so finding a way to get caught up with your retirement savings so that you don't have to work until you're 65 or 70 and saving aggressively and minimizing your income tax liability in the years that you're working and then the years that you decide to quit are, are often the big pieces of the puzzle. ER physicians struggle a lot with burnout too. And so finding that, um, sense of balance where, you know, if you're really not starting your career as an attending physician until you're 30 years old because you went to medical school and then you had residency and then, and then maybe a fellowship after that, and if you want to work for 25 or 30 years, you're going to have to be pretty aggressive uh, with the number of hours that you work and how much you save um, uh, uh, from those uh, fat paychecks that you're bringing in. 
And so th- those those are um, the pieces of the puzzle, if you will, right? And so using things like qualified plans, a lot of physicians work on a 1099, or a lot of ER physicians, I should say, work on a 1099 basis, so they can um, establish personal defined benefit plans, um, which will allow for pretty pretty large um, annual contributions if set up correctly. Um, those are the types of, the th- of, of things that we look at, but um, taxes and, uh, and burnout, or if I had to label two, are probably the, the biggest issues. Yeah, yeah, I don't doubt that for a second. And w- when we started the show, you talked about helping people get the most out of their resources, and certainly that right there, your ability to work and your ability to work consistently without burning out, and then also the money coming in, money you have, those are really two of the key resources that we have, and avoiding income tax, using qualified plans. Um, what else would you say, like just regular regular old folks that are not emergency room physicians, what what are some lessons that, 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 that they can take from that scenario we just talked about? I think in general, the objective should be grow and preserve your assets as aligns with your risk objectives and keep as much of it as you possibly can. And that's, that's a pretty vague statement, um, right? Because it's a little bit different for, for everybody. But if we, can ta- if we can do some thoughtful planning and you have an idea of what your career is going to look like over the next 10 or 15 years, regardless of industry, regardless of role, you can do some really thoughtful stuff in terms of minimizing your total tax liability over the next 15 years. And that's quite a bit different than what most – accountants will talk about when you meet with them um, and they file your annual tax return, right? They'll talk about, um, did you contribute to the IRA this year? Are you, um, are there any other deductions for this year that you're eligible for? But they're, uh, by and large, not doing a multi-year projection. And, and for, for pretty much all my clients, I don't care as much about what our liability is going to be this year. I care about what the total liability is going to be over the next 15 or 20. And if we can move uh, some of the pieces around right now um, and save a little bit of money every year, that can make a substantial difference over the long term. So, um, you know, to answer your question more directly, you know, think real hard about what kind of portfolio aligns with whatever it is you're trying to accomplish continue saving and contributing to that portfolio and then try to keep as much of it as you can by minimizing taxes and fees. When you say what kind of portfolio aligns, what can, can you tell me more about that? Yeah, this is um, an area where maybe I depart from the, the CFA side of things a little bit. Um, I, I am a proponent that of not necessarily passive index investing, but more plain vanilla, long-term, consistent investment strategy for you know 90% of the U.S. population. Um, I, I think that that is the most efficient vehicle to get you wherever it is you want to go. And what I mean by that is, if you want to work and retire at 65, then having a portfolio filled with low-cost mutual funds and ETFs that's diversified and has some stocks and some bonds, large cap, small cap, international, domestic, something that's balanced and covers all the asset classes but is employed um, consistently over a long-term period of time is not 
terribly fancy, right? You can you can buy three or four Vanguard mutual funds or ETFs today and build that portfolio. Um, I think the application of that should be based on how much risk you're comfortable taking and, and what your time horizon is. So what I mean by, you know, whatever portfolio is right for you, um, how long do you have until you're going to need to take money out of this account? If it's 20 years or longer, you probably have a lot of capacity to take risk. If it's, if it's inside of that, maybe take some risk off the table, but um, have a nice stock allocation to continue uh, setting the portfolio up for growth. Uh, which most of us will need throughout our, our, our retirement years. Excellent. Thank you. Well, Grant, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Difference-making tip, as I suggested earlier, I, I think that once you can find what you're passionate about and what brings you fulfillment in life, if you can find a way to make a career out of that, the pieces start to fall into place. And I think my difference-making tip would be um, put forth a lot of effort into identifying what that passion and what that fulfillment is as early in your life as you possibly can, and then just find a way to insert yourself into that sphere, whatever that means for you. Well, I think that is great stuff. That definitely gets it. Come on. Come on. Grant, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, you can check out my firm's website, which is the number three oakscapital.com. I also have a more personal blog, which is above the canopy.us, where we talk about a lot of financial and uh, uh, other topics related to entrepreneurship. Excellent. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Grant your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to threeoakscapital.com. That's the number three oakscapital.com and also check out Grant's blog at abovethecanopy.us Thank you again Grant My pleasure, thanks for having me And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together Before I go, quick announcement I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about how do I start a podcast that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step by step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it and then how to get great guests and uh, keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out. You can go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course and you'll find it there. You can just go to the website. I'll also list that in the notes of the show. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing. Leave us a review. And definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on.